Hello, this is Hannah Langdell and Rose Trotta, Duke Plastic Surgery Residents with The Resident Review, a plastic surgery podcast. Today we are joined by Larry Keller to discuss a topic that is important for all plastic surgery trainees and attendings, disability insurance. Larry is the founder of Physician Financial Services, and he's been helping physicians for 30 years secure and maintain life and disability insurance. He's also one of the most prolific and well-versed speakers and writers on physicians' long-term and disability insurance. He lectures regularly for ASPS and ASAP, so he's very familiar with what we do as plastic surgeons. Thank you for joining us, Larry. Oh, I'm very, very glad to be here and looking forward to it. Would you start by giving our listeners an overview of what disability insurance actually is and why this is such an important topic for residents? Yeah, so disability insurance at its very core is really nothing more than income protection or paycheck protection. And I, as a financial advisor, I go to a lot of different blogs and financial websites, and I really don't see a lot talking about insurance. I see a lot of stuff talking about timing the market, uh, buying Tesla, is this a good time? Is this not such a good time? How do I accelerate my retirement and get there really early? But at the end of the day, the one thing that fuels your financial plan happens to be your income. So what you'll find is I actually had someone the other day, and she's a PGY1 in a related specialty, you know, otolaryngology. And she said, Larry, look, you know, I heard you speak before. Do you really think that I need disability insurance? And I said, well, tell me a little bit more about. And she said, well, you know, I'm engaged. My fiance happens to be a financial advisor. He's very good with saving and he's very good with money management strategies. I said, well, that's great. I said, but are you working because you need the income or are you working because you just love what you do? And she said, well, that's an easy one. I'm working because I need the income. I've got a massive amount of student debt. My fiance does not have a lot of money, but when it comes in, he's going to know what to do with it. And I said, okay, let's make it really simple. If you were too sick or hurt to work, where would the money come from? And after a couple of seconds of silence, she said, I don't know. I said, well, that's what disability insurance is. It provides you an income until you have enough assets where you don't need to be working for the money. So the other way of thinking about it is what we're nothing more than glorified money-making machines. You know, we love what we do. We're highly educated, but our jobs are tough. And the reason that we're well-paid is because our jobs are tough. So what happens if we invested all this time and money in our education and something went wrong, either physically, in some cases mentally. It's like running the marathon and falling right before you cross the finish line. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. We've all invested so much time, energy, and money into our training. And it's it's a long road that's very costly. So that's important to kind of protect that investment, it seems like. So yes. It sounds like um, there are a few different types of disability insurance, and this is something that I've never really totally understood, but I get tons of emails about it. Um, Can you explain a little bit about the different types that people might look into or the different types might be offered? Sure. So what you'll find is if you wake up one day or you've read something or you've heard something, you're like, hey, disability insurance might be something that I should look into. 
So what do we do? The first thing we do is we go to the internet and we're like, hey, what do I need to know about disability insurance? So you're right. There's several different ways that you can buy your coverage. Some of them you're actually provided the coverage. So let's go with the first is I work for a large hospital or a large practice or an academic institution. And because I work there, I am provided with coverage. It's nothing I have to elect. I'm automatically provided with this. So you could call this free insurance. And that's true. Now, in most cases, unless your hospital adds back to your taxable income, the premium, the money that they're paying on your behalf for this coverage, it becomes a taxable benefit to you. So let's just say that you're getting 60% of your salary. That's a very common percentage of income that's being replaced. Well, we know that that's low, right? That assumes kind of a 40% tax bracket. But now that benefit is being taxed as well. So that 60% really is not 60%. It's less than 60%. Some of these plans are going to exclude bonuses that you might get, and they'll only cover base salary. So some institutions, they say, well, you have an academic base salary, and then you have a faculty practice supplement to that. Well, that faculty practice supplement might not be covered at all. So yes, we get this. It's typically no cost. It's typically taxable. So what we want to do is make up for the taxes that we're going to lose on this employer-provided group insurance plan make up for any earnings that we have in excess of the cap, because there's always going to be a cap. So it might say, we'll give you 60% of your salary, but its maximum is $10,000 a month. So thankfully, we could still do math. It's early in the day. Well, 60% <laughs> of 200,000 is 120,000. There's your 10,000 a month. Well, what if I'm earning 500,000? That means I've got $300,000 of income that's not covered at all. So I want to make up for the taxes that I'm going to lose on my employer-provided coverage. I want to make up for any earnings that I have in excess of that cap. And the group insurance plans, as good as they might be, they're typically not portable. We'll talk about this, but they're typically not going to be own occupation, or some people use the term own specialty. They don't involve any medical underwriting, which can be good if you're scuba diving, you know, maybe you're a dive master and you're going in and you're doing, you know, wrecks and things like that. Oh, well, that's bad news. I didn't know scuba diving was bad. <laughs> yeah, only if you're doing really bad, <laughs> bad stuff, which is cool stuff, but you know, diving for wrecks. So you're diving for compensation. Uh, you might say, Hey, if I can get my employer provided plan, because I do that stuff and I'll be covered there, but not on my individual plan. You know, that could be a great combination, like the one-two punch, right? It's typically not going to be own occupation. So we'll talk about that, you know, kind of a great length. Because if someone is going to mess this up, price aside, it's going to be they buy a policy that does not have what I call the ideal definition of total disability. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that, that's kind of something that I had a question about previously is like all of the different parts that go into it. So obviously look at like what you're paying. You look at what's covered and they can cover a specific percentage. They can cover bonuses. They can cover all of these different aspects that can kind of be parceled out. It sounds like, is that yes. right? Yes. Okay. So, so typically at the very core, you know, most residency programs, most fellowship programs, certainly for attendings at large hospitals, you know, they're all going to have group long-term disability 
coverage. That's going to be like a base coverage. That's going to be a, a foundation. So then we build on top of the foundation. Now for residents and fellows, the nice thing about you guys is we know it's not about current income. It's all about future earning potential. So the individual insurance companies have what's known as beginning professional special limits. We'll say, you know what? We're going to just ignore your income entirely. We're going to ignore your employer provided group insurance entirely. And you can buy somewhere between $5,000 a month and $7,500 a month. And we don't care. And unlike these group insurance plans, which are typically going to be taxable to you because you're paying this with your own post-tax dollars, these benefits would be income tax-free. So very often someone says, well, this all sounds pretty good. Uh, which one's going to pay me first? And that's because you guys are thinking about health insurance, right? Who's got the primary insurance? Who's the secondary insurance? Disability insurance, we don't work like that. We take into consideration your group insurance before we give you the amount of individual coverage. But we ignore that for residents and fellows. We even ignore this for what's known as new in practice physicians. And this can be anywhere from the last six months of training to as much as the first two years of practicing, depending upon the company. And if you think about it, people say to me all the time, Larry, this is great. I want to go out and get all this insurance because I know I'm going to be an aesthetic plastic surgeon. I'm going to be the next person on like Dr. 90210. You got to help me out now. You have any group insurance? Yes, I've got a lot of group insurance. Okay, that's generally going to limit the amount of individual coverage you can buy. Well, what do you mean? I'm a plastic surgeon. I'm willing to pay for it. I'm like, that's great. The insurance company knowingly does not want to create what we call a walking moral hazard, where you can make more money as a disabled plastic surgeon than if you actually continued to practice. So the first thing we need to know is even if you're willing to pay for a large policy, if you're not a resident, you're not a fellow, you're not a new in practice physician, there are going to be limitations and the amount of your group insurance is going to dictate the amount of individual insurance that's available to you. So now you come in and you're like, okay, I'm ready to buy individual disability insurance. Where do I go? So Rosie, like you said, we can go to an association. We could go to something like the American Medical Association. We can go to the American College of Surgeons. Couple of problems there. The first one is you don't have a policy. You get a certificate that says that you're part of this larger group, but you live by that group and you die by that group. The insurance company could cancel the group policy. The association could say, we don't want to deal with this insurance company anymore. The rates typically go up when your age ends in a zero or a five. And again, we'll talk about this. The policy is not really going to be own occupation. It's usually going to say something like, we will consider you totally disabled if you cannot perform the material and substantial duties of your occupation. So I can't be a plastic surgeon. And then it might go on to say, and you are not gainfully employed. Well, that doesn't really sound very liberal to me. It sounds like if I am gainfully employed, my benefit is going to be potentially reduced or maybe even eliminated. And after all of this training to hone in on my craft, why would I ideally want to buy a policy that's going to reduce or potentially eliminate my benefit? So 
then we go to the individual policy. And the first thing that we need to know is if we're looking for an own occupation policy, and it's going to read something like this. You will be deemed totally disabled if you're unable to perform the material and substantial duties of your occupation. So, well, what are material and substantial duties? You know, these are the main aspects of your job that cannot be reasonably omitted and still allow you to practice within that job. So if I'm a plastic and reconstructive surgeon, I mean, sure, I'm going to consult with patients. I have to determine whether surgery is indicated. If I'm an aesthetic surgeon, the patient has to determine whether I'm the one that's going to do the procedure or not. Ultimately, I'd like to say that they're going to pick me. Larry, you're the greatest guy. I heard you have, you know, hands of gold. You're the one that's going to do my case. They show up. I do the case. I follow up with them post-op to make sure that they got as close to the desired result as possible. And life is good. But if I can't do the surgery, which is really the material and substantial duty of a plastic surgeon, why would they really want to meet with me? If I say, you know, I can look at you and we can do a consult, but if you decide that surgery is warranted, it's not going to be me. I would say you're not a plastic surgeon anymore. I mean, at best, you're probably a glorified injector. So we always look at what are the duties that you were performing immediately prior to your disability? And if an accident or a sickness prevents you from doing that, I want you to be deemed totally disabled, even if you can work in another occupation or another medical specialty. And that might even include doing general surgery. If you limited your practice to microsurgery and deep flaps and tram flaps, and you can't do that, but you could still do general plastic surgery, you could still be deemed totally disabled. Huh, that's interesting. So even if you could not do, like a lot of us are interested in microsurgery, if you could still practice as, you know, quote, plastic surgeon, but not necessarily a microsurgeon, you would still receive benefits. Yeah, we would basically look at your, your billing codes and say, well, how is she actually performing her duties. Yes, she was a microsurgeon. If you can't do that, you're going to be deemed totally disabled and full benefits would be payable regardless of your ability to transition into something else. So there's only six companies. There's a, a recent seventh that offer this definition. And this can vary based on state. This can also vary based on medical specialty, but we're going to hone in solely mm -hmm. on plastics. So we know we've got Berkshire, which is Guardian. You can use interchangeably. We've got Standard Insurance Company. We've got Principal, Mass Mutual, Emeritus, Ohio National. And then the most recent entry is New York Life. So those are the seven companies that have own occupation. And that's the most liberal definition. So if your company or something you're considering is not on that list, you really have to take a step back and say, is this something I should be considering? The next thing we look at is who are you talking to, right? So plastics, we know that ideally, if I need plastic surgery, I would like to see a board certified plastic and reconstructive surgeon. And we know how important that is, right. but you know that. I know how important it is to see someone that's qualified on my business, but you know, does the public know this? No, they don't no. know the difference. They don't know the difference between a cosmetic surgeon with no board 
and a pest that can reconstruct the surgeon that did a resident SIP and is board certified. So the first thing you have to know is if you're buying insurance, who are you talking to? You know, what are their qualifications? How long have they been in the industry? If they deal with physicians, if they deal with physicians, how many people do they deal with that is in your specialty? Like, do they understand how you are paid? Right. You might have a great insurance advisor that does not deal with plastic surgeons. And as a result of that, much like seeing a cosmetic surgeon, you will get a result that I promise you, will you get the ideal result? Maybe, maybe not, but I would say it's less likely, far less likely than getting the ideal result. So now we know that. And we say, well, hey, you know what? If I go to use a newly minted insurance agent versus an experienced insurance agent, is it gonna cost me more money? And the answer is no. The insurance industry is highly regulated. It's like banking. So the only way that one person can beat out another one is literally to know of or have access to a discount that another person does not. Otherwise, if the discount is the same and the policies are structured the same, it's going to be identical. So unlike a car where you might go around and shop and pretend that you're going to walk out of the dealership and have the guy run over and say, I'll get my manager. Let's see what I can do. It really doesn't work like that in the insurance world. The other place you have to be careful is there are certain discounts and there are certain programs that are exclusive. To what certain exactly is a discount when you say, you know, you can offer a discount and one person might know of one. Uh, can you just elaborate a little bit more about what that entails? Sure. So what you'll find is a lot of people will say, okay, I know I'm looking for disability insurance, kind of hunting down who I should be speaking with or working with. Now, price is going to be really important, regardless of whether it's a resident or fellow or an attending. Now, as a resident or a fellow, your odds of getting a discount, you know, a percentage off of whatever the normal premium rate is, what you pay for the insurance, it's going to be the greatest when you're a resident or a fellow. And with 100% certainty, I can tell you, you can always get a discount on at least one of the companies. And the odds of you getting a discount on the majority of them is really likely when you're a resident or a fellow because you typically have affiliation with a large academic institution. Hmm. Now, the discounts do not disappear the moment you graduate. And that's very much misunderstood. The discounts are going to be available anywhere from three months to six months after you graduate. So a lot of times I'll tell people this, hey, just keep in mind, the discounts will still be available, but I know I've worked with enough plastic surgeons. You finish up, maybe you start your own practice, maybe you join an existing practice, you get busy. Seven months, someone reaches back out to their insurance agent. Okay, remember me, I'm ready to go. And we say, yeah, I remember you. I'm glad you're ready to go. But that discount that was available to you as a resident or a fellow, that's no longer available. You waited too long. Mm -hmm. So just keep in mind, it doesn't end the moment you graduate. They are typically available for three months to six months after training. So mm -hmm. ideally, you want to buy as much as you can, as young as you can, to best protect yourself and to lock into the lowest rate. It's possible. So do the rates increase? Too. Yeah. So if we yeah. buy it now, like when 
are we getting a better deal now and that we can lock in rates when we do have higher income when we're attending? Yes. Yeah. So what you're going to find is the discounts are going to be grandfathered once you purchase the policy. And it kind of works like a laddered situation. So let's say I bought my first policy. I'll make it up. I bought $5,000 a month. That's how much the insurance company is going to pay you. Clearly not what you're going to pay the insurance company. And let's say I bought that at age 30. And now I finished my training and I'm 35. Well, I'm five years older. So that next amount of coverage is going to cost me more because I'm older, but I'm still getting the discount. Ideally, my policy is going to have an increase option that allows me to buy more coverage, never having to answer another medical question, never having to do an exam, blood test, or urine test after the first time. And these days in the era of COVID, believe it or not, the insurance companies have become very liberal. In fact, you really don't need to do exam, blood tests, and urine tests to buy disability insurance when you're a resident or a fellow. So once you have that locked in, you're definitely busy now. You're only gonna get busier. You have not necessarily a lot of time now, definitely not a lot of money now. So there is a strategy that we'll talk about that I call the lease with the option to buy strategy. But let's say we know disability insurance is important. I'm willing to lock in my coverage now. I want to buy the most I can now. Let's call it a $5,000 a month benefit. I know I want to make sure once I buy it, the insurance company can never take it away from me. They could never change the provisions of the policy. So we call this a non-cancellable and a guaranteed renewable policy. So it sounds scary, but that's good. They can't get rid of you. You can always get rid of them. They can't make changes. You can. Like we said, ideally, we want it to be own occupation. That limits us to those, I'll call them the big six. And then you could throw in New York life, the seventh. Now, as good as own occupation is, it's really not the be all end all because most disabilities are not total. Most disabilities start off gradually. They get worse. You might ultimately be deemed totally disabled. So what happens if my doctor says, hey, Larry, look, you know, you don't look great, but you don't look bad. You could still do plastic surgery, but you know, you can't do five days a week anymore. You can only do three. You can't work eight hours a day. You can only work four. And you certainly can't see the volume of patients you were seeing before, and you can't do the number of cases that you were doing before. So now I have a loss of income, but I'm still working as a plastic and reconstructive surgeon. So own occupation in and of itself pays me zero because I'm still able to do my job. It doesn't protect loss of income. Right. So we add what's known as a residual or a partial benefit that pays me benefits proportionate to my loss. So maybe I was totally disabled. I got my full benefit. Now I go back to my practice on a limited basis and I get a partial benefit. Maybe I was never totally disabled. Something happened to me. I have to limit my hours. Now I start collecting partial benefits. If it gets worse, maybe I collect total benefits. One big issue with like the American Medical Association or the American College of Surgeon Plan is it stipulates in order to get partial disability benefits, guess what? You have to have been totally disabled first. And if we know the odds are pretty good, you're not gonna be totally disabled first unless it's something like a trauma. That's really 
simply not good. That's a high barrier to make it over. So ideally, we want to have a partial benefit that does not require total disability first. Now, plastics, I love. So I'm going to take both of you guys. You finish your training. Life is great. You decide that you're going to go where? California. You're going to practice as aesthetic plastics, and you're going to become very well known for, wait for it, the Brazilian butt lift. You are BBL <laughs> special. Right up Hannah Valley. Right? Oh, yeah. Far and wide. <laughs> the celebrities are coming to you. And suddenly you're disabled. Well, the word on the street is, oh my God, she's not around. She was the best. I don't know if she's ever going to come back, but I, I can't look terrible. I got to keep going. Where do I go? I find another person. Rosie, right down the street. Down the street. So what, what happens is Rosie's practice starts to boom and you come back. You're like, Larry, I look great. I've recovered. My doctor says I've never looked so well rested, but your patients have left you. The physicians that were referring to you, they're no longer referring to you. So you look great. Financially, you're sick. Physically, you're fine. Well, what happens? Ideally, your policy is going to continue to pay you benefits because there's a demonstrable relationship between your current loss of income and your prior disability. Now, California is a unique animal. So two things we need to know here. Number one is policies are much more expensive in California. The insurance companies have figured out most physicians would rather be on the beach than in the operating room or clinic. California certainly lends itself to that. So if you're not in California now and you plan on moving to California, it's generally best that you buy your policy before you get to California. Now, when you increase your coverage, you have to be careful too. So some companies are going to give you a brand new policy for this additional coverage that you buy. And when they do that, they might very well give you a California policy mm. with California premium rates. So you're like, hey, I was really smart. I bought in North Carolina. This is great. And you move to California. Suddenly, you're like, oh, my God, what's going on here? So very often, I'll ask someone, where do you think your plan is to end up when you're done with your training? And if they tell me it's going to be California, I kind of know which companies to go to, or better yet, which companies to potentially avoid. So, so there's some that, look at that you can have an increased option, but carry it over to California at the you know non-California rates, and others that you know have new policies. Yes. Together. So a great example. Yeah. So a great example is Principal, you know, very well known, very well regarded disability insurance company specific to the state of California, they do not offer what's known as the regular occupation rider, which is the own occupation definition. Now, if you bought it in North Carolina and you end up in California, no problem. You can make increases to it. It's going to be the same rate book of your original policy. One policy, it's not going to give you a new number or additional policy numbers. They're going to use California rates for the increase, but you can take the own occupation definition uh, in California, principal does not have an unlimited recovery benefit. So this is where I said, where like Rosie took all your patients and you go back and you have no business. Well, if you bought principal's policy anywhere but California, that'll continue to pay you potentially to the age of 65 or even longer. 
in California, not only does principal not offer an own occupation definition, the longest recovery benefit that they offer is three years. So imagine, you know, you're the BBL specialist, your practice dries up. It takes you more than three years to get back to a reasonable income level where you no longer have a loss of income of 20% or more. Well, if it takes you 10 years and they cut you off at three, that's certainly less than ideal. So Make sense? Yeah, so the lengths of time in your policy are, are important as well. And those are also malleable. Yes, so ideally you want to have fits to at least the age of 65. You certainly want to have an own occupation definition. And what you find is plastic surgery, thankfully, your incomes are very good. So typically any one company between the base policy and the increase option, that's going to max out at about $20,000 a month. If you had no other coverage, $20,000 a month typically requires an income of about $575,000. But the nice thing is plastic surgeons typically do a lot better than that. So very often a strategy is to buy two different policies from two different companies to allow you to potentially reach a much higher level of coverage than anyone would allow on their own. Now, here's where it gets a little dicey. So females, if you've ever looked at disability insurance, the rates are really high. And why is that? Females have pregnancy and complications of pregnancy. For disability, that's a large claim. There's a higher rate of mental or nervous disorders among females. So when I say that, I think like an insurance guy, not like a doctor. Anxiety, depression, stress, chemical dependent, drug addiction. And there's a higher rate of autoimmune disorders. So as a result of that, the rates for females are typically 50 to 60% more wow. than your male counterparts. And there is a so workaround. More. That's crazy. It's huge. Yeah, what are these um, gender-neutral things that I keep getting emails about? Yes, that's exactly what it is. So a gender-neutral or a unisex rate is really a hybrid rate where it's kind of between the male and the female rate. And it will reduce the cost of a female's policy by somewhere between 40 and 50%. So for example, you know, at your hospital at Duke, at Johns Hopkins, at LSU and Rutgers, Vanderbilt, UCSF, even University of Washington, to name a group of them, you know, you have these unisex rates available with a discount. And they also happen to be what's known as a guaranteed standard issue plan. So disability insurance is medically underwritten. This means we're going to ask you medical questions. We're going to do a prescription drug check. If something shows up or you have a previous condition, and it's something that's considered big, big in the insurance world, we can either come back and say, we're not willing to insure you at all, or if we are, we're going to limit benefits for certain body parts or certain medical conditions if we can limit this. So a good example is anxiety, depression, I've got ADD, ADHD. If I'm doing a medically underwritten policy, and let's say I've been on maintenance medication for a while, things are stable, I'm not self-prescribing, the insurance companies will typically say, we will give you a policy, but we are not going to pay any claim as a result of anxiety, depression, stress, chemical dependency, drug addiction. Essentially anything in the DSM-4, I think they're on version five anyway, or it's subsequent replacement. Now, 
that is not going to include dementia as a result of a stroke, a trauma, head injury, viral infection, MS, Parkinson's. I've got a physical condition that prevents me from doing plastic surgery. And secondary to that, I'm completely depressed. Even with an exclusion rider, those things would be covered. So a guaranteed standard issue plan can literally be the great white hope for a female if they can get unisex rates just from a cost standpoint. And it's even better for a female that has medical conditions that might preclude them from buying insurance at all or might lead to an exclusion rider for certain conditions. Like a, a very popular one happens to be, I had low back pain. Mm-hmm. I was in the gym, I pulled something. I'm a physician, I went to go see someone, I had an MR done, but what did it show? Degenerative disc disease. Well, I know if you apply and you have degenerative disc disease, you're going to get an exclusion rider. In my example, I'm going to say for your lumbosacral spine, it's discs, muscles, ligaments, or nerve roots. Maybe the wording will say with the exception of laceration or fracture. Well, I can tell you, I've delivered enough of these policies. You're going to say, Larry, are you freaking nuts? I'm a plastic surgeon. I'm bent over patients all day long. You're not giving me a discount for this exclusion rider, yet you're not going to pay these claims. There's no way I'm taking that policy. Well, what a guaranteed standard issue plan does is it is not medically underwritten. The only thing that we'll do is we'll give you a pre-existing condition limitation. So what does that mean? It's typically going to say, if you've seen a physician or you've taken a prescription medication or a reasonable human being would have seen a physician and it was within three months prior to applying for this insurance and you become disabled for that condition within the first year of owning the policy, we're not paying it. But after a year of owning it, even pre-existing conditions are covered. So let's take a juvenile diabetic, right? Type one. I can tell you short of Lloyd's of London, they are uninsurable. Here, not only can they buy a policy that's going to cover them for diabetic complications after they own it for a year, it's going to be discounted. Now, there's one catch to this. And the catch is if you apply for insurance and you are declined, even if there's a guaranteed standard issue plan at your hospital, it is off the table. So if you're listening to this and you have a medical condition that you are concerned about, you want to talk to an agent, ask them, hey, this is my medical history. Can you run this by an underwriter and see what the underwriter says? And if the underwriter says, nope, that person is going to be declined, you don't want to apply. So the strategy is, even if you're not sure, because nothing is guaranteed until your medical records are reviewed and the prescription drug check is reviewed, and there's a guaranteed standard issue plan available to you, lock that in first. Once you have it, you have it. If you want to shop because you think you might be able to do better elsewhere, that's fine. If you find out no other insurance company wants me, and I've got my GSI plan, we love acronyms and insurance locked in. Yeah, yeah, you're done. The worst thing that can happen is you meet a newly minted agent. They don't know that there's a GSI plan at your hospital, or maybe they 
they know that it's there, but they don't have access to it. So they don't even bring it up. Now you apply and you are declined. You're done. You might never get disability insurance individually again. That makes sense. It does. So oh, if, that's especially, really helpful. yeah, if you have pre-existing conditions, better to lock in the guaranteed standard issue plan, and then you can look and see if you may qualify for individual. Yes. Yes. The, the other thing that I'll say, which is good. So let's say you're perfectly healthy, but I'm going to call you a non-believer. Like, you know, inherently disability insurance is probably important. The odds of me becoming disabled is highly unlikely. I have no money. Why do I want to commit to this now? Here's the solution. So this is what I call the lease with the option to buy plan. So you can buy a policy from one or two of the companies. It'll have a thousand dollar a month benefit. So let's say for a guy, this might be $30 a month. For a female without unisex rates, it might be $50 a month. This will give you the ability to potentially get up to $20,000 a month in benefit. No more exams, no blood tests, no urine tests. So what's the strategy? I pay my 30 bucks, I pay my 50 bucks, I hold on to it. I do nothing throughout my training. Now I'm finishing my training. I have my quote unquote real job. My contract is signed. I know where I'm going. I know what benefits I'm gonna get. I locked into ideally unisex rates and a discount. Now I want to ramp it up. So you're kind of jamming your foot in the door. The big problem with physicians is until you know you have a problem, you don't know you have a problem. So I will tell you in terms of disability insurance, most people don't think that they need it. Like if I had a dollar for every person that told me, Larry, you seem like a nice guy. You seem to make sense, but you know, I'm not buying this. It's never going to be me. I hope to God it's not. But if it is you, it's probably the best thing you ever bought in your life. Because again, I'm a certified financial planner. I limit my practice to insurance, but I can create the greatest financial plan in the world. It's like giving you a car with a half a tank of gas. And once you run out, unless you go out and go to a gas station, your journey has ended. The same thing is true when it comes to disability insurance. Like you guys have invested so much money and so much time in your education. The only thing that can stop you from being successful literally is an accident or sickness. The money machine breaks down. You insured the money, your car, your home, but you didn't insure the machine. And insuring the machine is really the secret to success. Well, thank you so much, Larry. I think that was a terrific overview. I know I learned a lot. We are bombarded with emails and information. I think to distill it in this way was was really helpful. Um, any final advice, yeah, you know, for our listeners uh, as we learn about and search for disability insurance? Yeah, I would say you know these policies. If you can do plastic surgery and you can do deep flaps and tram flaps, you can do insurance. Literally, like I said, there's six, there's six, maybe seven companies. They really don't differ a lot in terms of provisions. They can differ a lot in terms of cost, especially as a female, if you can get a unisex rate versus not. The other big areas to look at is, well, how are claims for mental and nervous conditions handled, like anxiety, depression, and stress, chemical dependency, drug addiction. And finally, 
no, what happens if I become disabled and I want to leave the United States and I don't want to come back? Certain policies will allow for this. Other ones will not. And if you're a visa holder, I would submit that that should really be an important factor in your buying decision. Because if I lose my visa and I have to return to my country of origin and my policy is either not going to pay me or it's going to stop after a very short period of time, does it really make sense for me to buy that if there's a better alternative available to me? So do your homework. It shouldn't take more than 45 minutes to an hour having a conversation like this with an agent. If you're listening to this, it should take a lot less because now you know a decent amount of the basics. Reviewing illustrations of coverage and then literally just tailor making the plan based on your individual needs, your individual goals and your budget. That is so helpful, honestly, just breaking it down like that for us. So, awesome. Yeah. awesome. You, like I said, you guys are so easy. Like I can tell you, there's one guy that has the GSI plan. He's got Duke. He's got Vanderbilt. And my world is kind of weird. So plastics and insurance agents are somewhat similar. So you've got the plastic surgeons that are you know, really congenial. They're like, oh, you know, you have a case. I'll help you out. Certain plastic surgeons are not like that. Like, oh, I just met with Dr. Keller. Now I'm meeting with you. Oh, Dr. Keller, he finally finished his training. You know, like <laughs> I, I see that all the time. And it, it would be like this person is an aesthetic plastic surgeon. They've been doing it for 30 years. If they get another case or not, it doesn't change their life. They can't shut themselves off. It's unbelievable. So for the guys that play ball, like this guy, Mark, that has Duke and Vanderbilt, like I'm very friendly with the guy. He'll say to me, you can sell my plan. We'll, we'll co-broker it. You look good. I look good. For, from the insurance company standpoint, if, if the agent that has it is not meeting the numbers, they're going to take the plan away. So they want that. So certain agents like this guy, Mark, he's smart. He's like, like Jerry Maguire, help me help you. Yeah. There are plenty of agents, I will tell you, say, no way, man. You could send me the client, but you're mm -hmm. not getting anything. And I say, I'm going to send them to you anyway, because there is nothing worse than a woman scorn other than a woman physician scorn, <laughs> especially one that knows how to use a scalpel. Oh, yeah. my God. Like you're you guys a tough take bunch. A tough bunch. But once you're in, when you're in, you're good. But when you are not in, you are so far out. So <laughs> a lot of times I get stuff where it's, there is a discount there. I can't do it. Here's the name of my competitor. Here's their email address. You got to buy that. If you like them, stay with them. If you don't like them, come back to me and I'll take it over. But I'm not going to pretend it doesn't exist because you guys are smart. You might not be insurance experts, but you know enough to ask around and your due diligence. And when you find out you got screwed, Oh my God, forget about it. So I'm right there. I'm right there with you. As a plastic surgeon with a unique vision for each patient, the more options you have at your fingertips, the better. Natrell is one of the portfolios available to you. To learn more, visit natrellsurgeon.com. Material discussed is meant for general informational purposes only and is not to be construed as individual advice. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Regarding optional riders, most riders are available for an additional premium. Some policy benefits and features are not available to all occupations. Riders may have certain limitations and requirements, 
please speak to a financial professional for additional information specific to your situation. Larry is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PASS, OSJ 355 Lexington Avenue, 9th floor, New York, New York, 10017-212-2611850. Securities, products, and advisory services offered through PASS, member of FINRA, SIPC, financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. PASS is, a whole, PASS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Physician Financial Services is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PASS or Guardian. California Insurance License Number 0C37340. Arkansas Insurance License Number 1057229. 2022-135255 expires 3-2024.